Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us to listen to this message. Whoever you are and wherever you're listening from, we trust that you'll be equipped, envisioned and encouraged as you listen today. for this morning God reminded me of the words that had come at Bible week from Matthew Ling and from Kerry from Ezekiel 37 and God said this to me he said don't be afraid to speak the same things for out of the mouth of two or three witnesses a thing is established and I believe God wants us to catch something from this passage about what it means to hear the word of the Lord God's bringing us back to it and drawing our attention to it because there's something important for us to understand. So I make no apology this morning if some of the points that I'm going to make you've already heard. But God is simply reinforcing what he's saying to us today. If you'll turn with me to Ezekiel 37 and we'll read together. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come on you and cover you with skin. And I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath, from the four winds, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live. I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. (laughs) 
there's a very clear and distinct order by which God operates. And he takes Ezekiel to the valley and he lets him see the state of the nation. And then he gives him a word. And he says, this is what you're to prophesy. And then Ezekiel has to prophesy. Nothing happened until he opened his mouth. And I believe this morning that God wants us to learn to prophesy the word of the Lord. You may say, well, I've never prophesied, but God's given you word. God's said things about you. God's said things about your situation. He's spoken a word. God looked at these bones and he said to Ezekiel, he said, can they live? And he said, only you know, God. I think that's the sort of answer I've been looking to give because I wouldn't want to pin my hope one way or the other. Well, I know they can, but is God going to do it right now? And that's sometimes the position we find ourselves in, isn't it? I know God can do it, but will he do it now? But you know what the word of the Lord comes and he says, I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to do it for you. But what I need you to do is to begin to confess the word. I need you to begin to prophesy. I need you to begin to speak to what seems an impossible situation. And as you speak that creative word, so things begin to change. As Ezekiel began to prophesy, the bones came together. And God took him through a step-by-step process. It's no good calling for the wind until the things are formed. So God says to him, speak this, and he speaks this. And the bones come together and flesh comes on. He says, but they're still not alive. And God says, now prophesy to the wind. And for us, we need to understand the word that God's given to us. You know, Ruth came this morning. She said, some of us need to hear this word. I believe that's right. But I believe we not only need to hear it, but we need to speak it over ourselves. As we come to the table this morning, we're coming to a table where if you're listening, there's a lot of noise coming from that table because there's many things that are speaking. And we're going to look this morning at some of the things that are speaking from the table. We need to understand that we're in a day and a time when it's time for the prophetic people to arise. We've called to be a prophetic people. We're called to be those who speak out his word, live it out. But this morning we need to stand and say, Lord, we're going to take your word upon our lips. doesn't matter if our situations look like dry bones. I can't imagine a valley full of dry bones, actually. And I certainly can't imagine standing there and thinking, well, if I just speak some words, this is going to be a vast army that's going to arise. And Ezekiel must have thought to himself, what if, what if I speak and nothing happens? It's a pretty forlorn state, Lord. They're not just dead, they're dry. If ever you've been tempted to pick the meat off a bone after it's been cooked in the oven... You'll find even having been roasted, it's not very dry. These bones weren't just dead, they were completely lifeless. There was no life left in them. To get that dry, they must have been in that condition for some time. And he stood there facing this impossible situation. But God says to him, prophesy. And being the faithful man that he was, he takes the word that God gives him and he prophesies it straight back to the bones. See, he knew that even looking at that, if he had the word of the Lord, nothing was impossible. And for us to prophesy anything, the first thing we need to do is to hear the word of the Lord. See, Ezekiel could say to the bones, hear the word of the Lord, because he'd already heard it for himself. God had told him what to prophesy. 
We aren't living in a world where God's left us without words to say. Thank God he has given us the words to say. In fact, the Bible tells us the word is near as it's even in our mouth. The word of God is in our mouth. And you know what? It's sharper than any two-edged sword. The word that's going to come forth from your mouth this morning is a sharp, clear, prophetic declaration. Because that's what God's called us to be. And the first step for us doing anything is that we have to hear the word of the Lord. We need to understand that word must find its origin in God. We don't want to prophesy a nice expression of what we would like to happen. But Ezekiel said, now hear the word of the Lord. And the minute he uses that phrase, something in the heavenly realm changes. And the minute we use that phrase, something begins to change on the inside for us. Oh, well, I hope God's going to... No, now hear the word of the Lord. Well, I'm in this situation, but no, now hear the word of the Lord. We don't want to come with nice platitudes. We don't want to come with our expectation of what God might do. But we come this morning, we say, now hear the word of the Lord. We've heard what God has said about us. We've heard what God has said through the table. We've heard what God has given to us in inheritance. And we stand and we bring the word of the Lord. See, I think sometimes we get all into this, well, I need a word. Do you know what? If you would just open this, you would find that there is so much word that you haven't got time to compress it and prophesy it because the word has already been given to us. But also the word is living and active. The word is in here. David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. It's time for us to get the word on the inside that we can prophesy on the outside. We need to understand that it's not about learning in a theological context. It's about understanding a God and what he said. See, Jeremiah in Jeremiah 23, God is complaining about prophets who are prophesying falsely. And he says, they're running off and they're saying all these things, but I didn't send them. And then he puts this one little verse in in 23 and verse 22. He says, but if they had stood in my counsel, they would have proclaimed my words to my people. It's very simple to hear the word of the Lord. Stand in the counsel of God. Stand in his presence. Listen to what he's saying. This morning as we come to the table, we're not going to rush. Because I want us to stand in the counsel of the Lord. I want us to stand in the heavenly realms. And listen to the words that are coming from the throne. See, God didn't condemn those prophets as saying, well, their motives were wrong. This was, they need to do all these other things to change. All he said was, if they'd stood in my counsel, they could have heard my word. And the same is true for us this morning. If we'll stand in his counsel, if we'll just stand before the throne, we'll hear the word. You'll hear the word that you need to prophesy over your life this morning. You'll hear what God's saying about you and your position. Paul said this in Romans 10 and 17. He says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Too often, we don't stand and listen to what God's saying. We're too busy running trying to find the answer. We're too busy doing to try and work it out. But we just need to stand this morning and to hear 
what God is saying. In Revelation chapters 2 and 3, you'll find the seven letters to the seven churches. And at the end of each one, there's a phrase which we would do well to pay attention to. Because it's repeated after each each letter, and it says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. As I read that, there's two things that strike me. The first is God wants us to listen. God wants us to hear what the Spirit is saying. In the letter, God was addressing things with every church. But he finishes off by saying, hear what the Spirit's saying. Hear what the Spirit's saying. But the other thing is this. He says, he who has an ear, let him hear. Do you know what that says to me? It's possible to have an ear and not hear. And I don't want to be guilty of being one of those who I'm rushing around so much I'm not stopping to listen. But we need to be those who have an ear and we hear what the Spirit is saying. As we come to the table this morning, I want us to hear what the table is saying to us. You think, can this, does the table really speak? Yes, the table speaks. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 12. Corinthians 12 and we'll start to read sorry 1 Corinthians 11 and we'll start to read at verse 23 for I received from the Lord what I passed on to you the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So as we come to the table, there's a proclamation coming forth. As we break the bread, there's a proclamation that we're proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. Until he comes. That means when he comes, we'll no longer proclaim his death. Why? Well, I think the answer is in Revelation 21, if we can have a look. Revelation 21, it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, 
God's dwelling place is now among his people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things have passed away. When he comes again, the true reality of what Jesus purchased for us at the cross will be seen. So we won't need to proclaim it anymore because we'll just be living in it. See, when he died on the cross, he paid the price for sickness. So when he comes again, there'll be no more pain. When he died on the cross, he paid the price for our tears. There'll be no more need for tears because we'll be living in the reality of it. But until he comes, until he comes, we proclaim his death. We make a proclamation and we say, the sun has died and has risen, and by his stripes I am healed. The sun has died and has risen, and by his shed blood I am made clean. That's a proclamation that we're making. But when he comes again, we won't need to make that proclamation. Why? Because every eye will see him, and they'll know him for who he is. We won't need to proclaim the victory that Jesus purchased because we'll be living in the good of it. As you partake of the table today, let that proclamation come forth loud and clear. If you look in Revelation 21, you see the picture of Jesus. Revelation 1, you see the picture of Jesus. And he says, I am he that liveth, that liveth and was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore. As we come to the table, we're not just proclaiming his death, we're proclaiming his resurrection. And the the proclamation that comes forth is he's alive. And because he lives, I live. We make that prophetic declaration to the world around us, to Satan and the hosts of his realm, that Jesus has won and he's coming back. He's coming back to wrap it all up. And we look out and we say, now hear the word of the Lord. The king is on his throne because he has triumphed over sickness and death. The king is on his throne because he's defeated sin and all its consequences. We need to understand this morning that as we come to the table, we are making the most powerful declaration any human being can make. And we are saying, I have been washed by the blood of the Lamb. My life has been purchased by he who triumphed over death and the grave. We declare to the heavenly realms that we are the redeemed of the Lord. That's why we come to the table, to make that proclamation. And we shouldn't be bashful or silent when we come to the table. We should proclaim it with a loud voice. Sometimes when we break bread, we sit very quietly. But I believe today God wants us to make a noise. I believe God wants us to verbalize the prophetic declaration. See, when Ezekiel came to the dry bones, God gave him the word. He said, this is what you're to prophesy. We're to proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. But then Ezekiel had to speak. Sometimes I think we sit too quiet. And it's time to let our lips 
make that declaration. It's time to let our lips make that proclamation. Yes, we're proclaiming his death until he comes. And as we look at the table, we see the blood. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12, will you? The writer to the Hebrews has a habit of dropping phrases as he goes through, one of which people often complain about is when he talks about Melchizedek. But I think there's another one here in verses 18 to 24, and you think, tell me more. Don't just say that, tell me more. But if you look in 12 and we start at verse 18, it says, You have not come to a mountain that can be touched, and that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them, because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I'm trembling with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, you have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. And that's all he says. Well, well, what word is it speaking? Don't leave me hanging in suspense. Tell me what word it's speaking. And what was the blood of Abel speaking? Why is it so much better? And we're left to our own devices. We're left to go back and to look and to see what the blood of Abel spoke and to work out what the blood of Jesus speaks. But you know, as we dig into the word, we find what a wonderful word it speaks, that blood of Jesus. See, the blood of Abel was crying out from the ground, Genesis 4 tells us. It was crying out. That blood was speaking. And it was speaking, it said, I've been killed. Somebody was jealous against me, and they've killed me. And the blood of Abel is speaking, and it's crying out, and it's saying, Cain has killed me. Cain was jealous, God, because you looked on me with favor and not on his offering. And he thought, if I can remove the opposition, if I can get Abel out of the way, God will look favorably on me. It was man's attempt to secure an inheritance for himself. It speaks of exclusion. It speaks of death. It speaks of hatred and jealousy. That's what the blood of Abel speaks of. When we come to Jesus, we see that his blood speaks of a sharing of an inheritance. The blood was shed that we might all participate in the inheritance. That's why it speaks better. Abel was saying, I want, Cain was saying, I want Abel out of the way. Abel's blood was saying, I've been removed. But, you know, it wasn't an exclusive situation. But Jesus is saying, I want to include you all. 
I want you to be able to come by this blood that's been shed. As we come to the table, it's a table of inclusion. The blood is speaking a word of inclusion. He's saying, I'm not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Maybe this morning you're here and you don't feel included. Well, the blood's speaking a word of inclusion over you. The blood's saying, Jesus paid the price that you could be co-heirs. Jesus paid the price that you could stand equal with everybody else. Equal with Jesus. That's an amazing thing to think that he paid the price that we could be co-heirs with him. But that's what it says. That's what the blood's saying. It speaks that you're forgiven. 1 John 1 verse 7 says, The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. There's nothing this morning that God cannot forgive you. You may have trouble forgiving yourself for certain things, but God has no issue. All he says is, confess your sin, and I'm faithful and just to forgive you your sin, and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. The blood speaks of an inheritance. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 20. For no matter how many premises God has made, no matter how many, if you find any promise in here, no matter how many, they are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And so through him, the amen is spoken to by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes us both, both as Sorry. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. All of his promises, no matter how many there are. Do you know what I think that says? Paul's tried having a go at counting and he's given up. Such is the volume of God's promises. Such is the extent, and he says, well, it doesn't really matter how many there are, there are lots, but they're all yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And this morning, as we come to the table, we can say, this is the word of the Lord to me. They're yes and amen. But look what Paul says. He says, so through him, the amen is spoken by us. Through him, the Amen is spoke. We've got a part to play in this. Yes. We need to be saying the Amen. Amen. And as we come to the table, whatever the promise is that you're laying hold of this morning, speak the promise yes. and say Amen. Amen. Right. Do you know what Amen means? It means let it be. Yes. So be it. According to your word. That's what Mary said to the angel. According to his word, be it unto me. That was her heart. Whatever God says, I want it all. And this morning as we come to the table, you may say, well, I'm looking for this, I'm looking for that. Take hold of the promise 
and then say, this is what God says, and I say the amen. I say so be it. At this table, you find the fulfillment of those promises. Were it not for the death and resurrection, we would not be participating in this inheritance. But it's because he's died and risen again, because he's purchased for us everything that we need. Peter put it this way, he says, seeing that his divine power has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. Whatever you'll need this morning, the word of the Lord says, there's provision at the table. The word of the Lord says, this is where the power manifests. Sometimes I think we chase manifestation instead of chasing the person. But as we chase the person, it brings us to the table. And we marvel at the sacrifice that he made. And as we marvel at the sacrifice that he made, you know what? We encounter the manifestation. Because as the bread is broken, the presence of God is manifest. That was true for the disciples on the road to Emmaus, wasn't it? He spoke with them, he brought them the word. But it wasn't until he broke bread that their eyes were opened. And they suddenly realized who he was. I don't know whether he still had nail pierces in his hands and they saw them. I don't know what it was, but there was something about breaking the bread that brought the presence of Jesus right into their very midst and opened their eyes. And this morning as we break bread, let the presence of Jesus be revealed to you afresh. Let the fact that he paid the price for everything that you need. This is the entry point for our inheritance. Maybe this morning you're sick in your body. Isaiah 53, the passage there, verses 1 to 5, tells me not only did he deal with our sins, but in his body he carried all our diseases. And by his stripes we were healed. As we come to the table this morning, we can hear the word of the Lord just like Ezekiel. And like Ezekiel, we need to speak it out. I don't want this to be a quiet, somber time. I want this to be a time when we speak the word of the Lord. We look at our circumstances and our situation. We look at the world that we live in. Some of you may say, well, I've actually got no, no need right now in my own life. Great, praise God. But the world has much need. And therefore we proclaim his death until he comes. It doesn't matter what it is we're looking for this morning, whether it's health, acceptance, peace, joy. God has done it all for us. And there's a word for us. And we need to speak it out. For me, I'm believing for my heart to start pumping correctly. And for the erratic rhythm to go. Somebody shared the word earlier. It said, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will quicken, or the other verse says, give life to your mortal body. 
That's the word of the Lord to me this morning. And as I come to break bread, I'm going to prophesy over myself. I'm going to look at my body and I'm going to say, now hear the word of the Lord. By his stripes, I was healed. Each of us can prophesy to ourselves this morning. We can prophesy to our situations. We can prophesy to the world around us. Thanks for joining us today. There's so much going on at Living Rock Church and we'd love for you to be involved. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching. Visit www.livingrock.church or search for us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. We meet every Sunday at 10.30am in Stony Stanton and 4pm in Tamworth and Market Harborough. Feel free to come and visit us. We'd love to meet you. Thank you.